0: Normally, we give you the page number to read from scriptures from the Pew Bibles in front if you want to, but this today is from the New America Standard Bible, and Brother Neil just asked that y'all just sit and listen as I read it and just contemplate what it says. This is taken from Psalms 101. I will sing of loving kindness and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy." No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eye shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word.
1: Well, welcome to Freedom Sunday, just our second annual Freedom Sunday. is only the second time we've done this, and I was curious, you know, what people would think about it. Having done it once, it's, it's a kind of a heavy week, <laughs> you know, it's a heavy subject matter. And I wasn't sure you know, how excited people would be to do it again, but it's been a lot of uh, excitement. And so thank you uh, for being here. Thank you for uh, supporting what we're trying to do here. Before I dive into that, I want to thank you again, uh, as we have several times, for your prayers for my wife and my family. And um, we are down to the end here. On Wednesday, they plan to induce labor and and uh, we will hopefully put a long season behind us here um, and, and go into a new fun season. So thank you for your prayers for her. she's got a sinus infection today, so she won't be here, but um, they've got her on antibiotics and hopefully be feeling good in time for labor so <laughs> That's the, that's the hope. So thank you again for your prayers through all that, through the sickness and the pulmonary embolism and the whole, the whole deal. And we really appreciate your support. Uh, all right. This is Freedom Sunday. It's a Sunday where we address... The issue of human trafficking where we uh, become more aware of this evil in our world. But it's also a week where we try to do something about it. We don't want to just talk about it. We want to do something about it. We want to engage in the fight. And so uh, last year was the first time that we did this. And and we were kind of prompted by the, uh, the church group that we're associated with called Church of God based out of Anderson, Indiana. And they started an initiative called Chog Traffic Light. And it's made up of various organizations in the United States and around the world. It includes, like, Church on the Street in Atlanta. It includes an organization called Pink Door in Berlin. Germany, and it includes the shelter in India, which is an incredible ministry. That's uh, they started fighting human trafficking in the 1800s, literally going door to door and and rescuing young girls out of uh, while while the uh, you know the perpetrators were chasing them down the street. I mean, just unbelievable stories. And so, you know, it supports all these ministries, and, and the Church of God challenged 1,000 churches to give $1,000. That was the goal, is to find 1,000 churches who'd be willing to give $1,000. And we stepped up to the plate last year, and we gave just over $1,000 to that cause. And let's give a round of applause and just celebrate that again. That's awesome. Uh, but this is something that we want to keep in front of us, and, uh, and this year, doing something a little bit different, we... Uh, we found out about a local organization uh, called Project 41 that's engaged in this fight already. And uh, so we've invited, in just a few minutes, you'll hear from co-founder uh, Lindsay Nadler about that. And so we're looking forward to hearing from her. And so this year we, we've kind of changed it up a little bit. And many of you have brought items to donate to Project 41. And that's awesome to see all that pile up out there and then... Uh, we're also, something else we're going to do is when we take our offering today, you may have noticed an envelope in there that says Freedom Sunday on it. And we're, any, anything that you want to give towards Freedom Sunday giving, you can put in that envelope. And uh, what we're going to do this year is, is since we met the goal of $1,000 last year, we're going to send half of our offering today to the Chog Traffic Light Initiative, and we want to send the other half to Project 41 And uh, so we're excited to do that. I also want to just mention, I know that this is a kind of a busy season around here. And we just got done with our Faith Promise uh, Convention weekend. And we had, uh, you know, about $30,000 pledged toward missional work here and around the globe. And and we're also doing a lot of youth fundraisers and all. So I I don't want you to feel like this is a, a heavy pressure day, but I also wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, to engage in this fight and to to have a part in it and every little bit counts and so I uh, just wanted to share that with you. We don't have a specific goal that we're shooting for today just because I felt like we've we've had a lot of specific goals we've been shooting for and meeting lately and so I just want you to know that we're you're invited to participate in this as much as you feel able and called and led to do so. And uh, so we look forward to doing that in a few minutes, but let's dive into this message Today, And I wanted to kind of call our attention to uh, a different nuance. Last year we just kind of talked about the issue of human trafficking and and the need for the church to step up and do something about it. And just as a recap, um, human trafficking is basically modern day slavery that involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act and this plays out in a lot of different ways and the one the way that that probably gets the most attention because it's probably the most prolific is uh, women who are trafficked and into the sex industry uh, but this also takes form in different ways and and it also involves uh, boys and young men and it also uh, even in the Sex trafficking, part of things, but it also involves people who are trafficked into massage parlors, and uh, I mean a whole variety of, of things. That, and we found out that slavery is definitely still an issue, uh, maybe more so than ever. So, uh, another, just a few statistics that we shared, and these are ever changing, and uh, unfortunately, oftentimes times always growing, but. 27 million are believed to be in bondage around the world. One to two percent of victims are ever rescued in the average age of a trafficking victim around 12 years old. and that's all overwhelming statistics and and as we, you know we've watched a couple of videos about project 41 and, and Lindsay will come and share more in a minute about their heart but that's I love their heart about that of being, Uh, for the one, as they shared on that video, because you know it can be overwhelming to hear those statistics and be like, well, what can we even do with something that big? Uh, But the reminder that each one life that's caught up in that deserves the chance to be rescued, and if we can rescue one or more than one, then that's worth fighting for. And so uh, that's just kind of the background. And today I want to take us to a more specific issue, something that I believe is at the root of this, and probably if we don't address this, uh, it's going to be really hard to ever make much progress in the area of fighting human trafficking. And that is pornography. And so again, another heavy topic this year, but I think it deserves talking about. And to start off with, I just want to share kind of a, a video or two here with you. And this first one is an interview. that happened quite a few years back, back in the 80s. And it was an interview by James Dobson, of focus on the family, with a serial killer. You've probably heard of him, Ted Bundy. Uh, some of you may not have heard of Ted Bundy if you were born in the 90s, <laughs> because um, that happened, the crimes he perpetrated were mostly in the 70s, and then he was in prison for a long time. And, but that, that saga captured the attention of the nation Because at that time, you just didn't hear much about those kinds of people. And he admitted, confessed to, the murder, rape, kidnapping of 30 young women. And they believe the numbers could even be higher than that. That's just just what he confessed to. So I want to uh, share this interview with you. Just a clip of it, a segment. And uh, we'll talk about it.
2: For the record, you are guilty of killing many women and girls. Yes, yes, that's true. Ted, how did it happen? Take me back. What are the antecedents of the behavior that we've seen? Uh, So much grief, so much sorrow, so much pain for so many people. Part of the tragedy of this whole situation is because uh, I grew up in a wonderful home with two Dedicated and loving parents, uh, one of uh, five brothers and sisters. A home where we as as children were the focus of of my parents' lives, where we regularly attended church. Uh, Two Christian parents who did not drink, they did not smoke, there was no gambling, there was no physical abuse or fighting in the home. I'm not saying this was leave at the Beaver. It wasn't perfect. Well, no, I don't know that such a home exists, but it was a fine, solid. Christian home and nobody uh, sh- I hope no one will try to take the easy way out and to try to blame or otherwise accuse my uh, my family of contributing to this because uh, I know and I'm trying to tell you as honestly as I know how what happened and I think this is a message I'm going to get across but as a young uh, a young boy and I mean the boy of uh, 12 or 13 certainly a uh, that I encountered outside the home again uh, in uh, the local grocery store, or the local uh, uh, drug store, the softcore pornography, what people call softcore. Uh, but as I think I, I explained to you last night, Dr. Dobson, in an anecdote, as young boys do, we explored the the back roads and sideways and byways of our neighborhood, and oftentimes people would dump the garbage and whatever they were cleaning out of their house, and from time to time we'd come across so, pornographic books of a harder nature than, uh, more uh, graphic, you might say, more explicit nature than we would encounter, let's say, in your local grocery store. And this also included such things as, let's say, detective magazines and uh, more hard... Those that involve books. violence. Then. Yes. Before we go any further, I think I mean, it's important to me and, uh, and that people, the people believe what I'm saying, to tell you that that I'm not blaming pornography and not saying that it caused me to go out and do certain things and I take full responsibility for whatever I've done and all the things that I've done that's not the question here the question and and, and the issue is how this kind of literature contributed and helped mold and and shape the kinds of violent behavior. It fueled your fantasies. Well in, in the beginning it fuels this kind of thought process then it, at a certain time it's instrumental in what I would say crystallizing it, make it in, making it into something which is almost an, like a separate entity inside and that in, and at that point you're at the verge, or I was at the verge of acting out on this on this kind of... these kinds of things I'm no social scientist and I haven't done a survey, I mean I, I don't pretend that I know what John Q. Citizen thinks about this <clears throat> But I've lived in prison for a long time now. And I've met a lot of men who were motivated to commit violence just like me. And without exception, every one of them was deeply involved in pornography, without question, without exception, deeply influenced and consumed by an addiction to pornography. There's no question about it. The FBI's own study on serial homicide shows that the most common interest among serial killers is pornography. Yeah, that's true.
1: All right. I I feel like one of the greatest lies that our culture has sold is that pornography is just a private personal issue. That it's just something that, you know, people either do or they don't do in the privacy of their home it doesn't affect anyone else but one thing that they have found and and there's people that argue that this interview is just another case of Ted Bundy manipulating uh, someone but the facts are indisputable that when you look at and you study people who do these violent crimes people who are involved with things like rapes and And hideous, you know, I mean, whether it's, um, you know, child abuse and all those kinds of things. When you look at it, at the core of it, behind it, in the beginning, there was pornography. Because this kind of thing, which like any kind of sin, but this one just is particularly, feels evil. It warps people from the inside. It literally perverts people from the inside and makes them into something that they weren't created to be. Now, not everybody ends up as a Ted Bundy. Most people don't, right? But no one knows what it's going to do to them. You know, at the very least, it may erode your ability to experience intimacy in a in a relationship the way God intended. At the very least, it may make your spouse feel about that small. But at the most, who knows? Who knows what will happen? And we, you don't even hear that much about Ted Bundy-type cases anymore. They, they, it seems like they hardly even make national news much anymore because these kinds of things have become so commonplace in our society. I mean, the year before, uh, the year before we moved down here from Springfield, Missouri, in a neighborhood not that far, it was on our side of town, uh, where we lived in Springfield, a young girl, elementary age was in broad daylight taken off the street of her neighborhood not like a particularly bad neighborhood just an average neighborhood and before the police could track down who did it she had lots of bad things had happened and she was dead and it shocked the community how does something like that happen and it's even more shocking because everyone said well we knew this guy and he was a coach in the school system and no one saw it coming and that's the thing about this world see in Ted Bundy's day to get into pornography you had to go to an adult store you had to go to uh, you know, if you wanted soft core stuff like he said you, know, you could go to the grocery store or some place like that and you, but you had to go and you had to check out with it you had to buy it, you, it was, there was something public about it you had to park your car, walk in the building, get it and come back out with it today, not so and people sit behind closed doors at the privacy of their own computer and they go down whatever rabbit trails they go down and it does something to them on the inside. And we see more and more people who are warped by this. And we shake our heads and we wonder what kind of sicko can do this to kids? What kind of sick person would do something like that? Well, I'll tell you. It's someone who sat down and they started looking at pornography as a kid. Probably they were exposed to it. And they got addicted to it. And it took them down trails they never saw coming. And one day they woke up and that's where they were. This idea that. That pornography is just a a private, personal issue is something that we need to be dispensing of. Because in our society, there's too many men who think, well, that's just what guys do, and too many women who think, well, that's just what guys do. And they're okay with their husbands doing it because, you know, maybe their dad did, maybe, well, that's just what guys do, you know? It's not okay. And it's not just a personal, private issue. In fact, I feel like. That it's probably one of the most harmful tools of evil in the world today. And not just because of what it does inside people. Not just because of Ted Bundy type instances. But more so because it is pornography that is driving, that is fueling human trafficking. And this happens in at least a couple different ways. But this, we're going to show one more video today, and I'll show that to you, kind of just to connect the dots between pornography and human trafficking, and then we'll go from there.
3: This is Anna. Wait, wait, don't click to someone else yet, because Anna's stuck here on your computer screen. And while you can walk away, her image is stuck on the internet. See, your fantasy is Anna's nightmare. There's a good chance recruiters lured her with flattery, perhaps they baited her with cash, maybe they even tranquilized her with date rape drugs, and if Anna's like many others, she stays sedated with alcohol, weed, or coke to numb the pain. Chances are she faces STDs and HIV because she's denied access to protection. We don't know what she's been through because we only see Anna smiling, and they keep showing Anna smiling so that you'll keep watching. See, pornography is integral to human trafficking and prostitution. In nine countries, almost half, 49%, said that pornography was made of them while they were in prostitution. This generation fights sex trafficking more than anyone ever has, and more than anyone ever has, this generation consumes porn. Fighting human trafficking and then watching porn is like protesting a corrupt politician and then donating to his campaign. You browse privately going from Anna to Zoe and back to Anna. Watch your favorite fantasy and then walk away. But Anna's still there. She's stuck there. Stuck in this life because you click. Each click, each link, each URL visit and play button, this is the currency of porn. This is the price of Anna's life. The $100 billion pornography industry is fueling the appetite for children as well. Teenage girls now make up the biggest slice of viewable porn, which by definition is considered trafficking. The demand for porn fuels the trafficking industry, and you can take away that demand. You can cut the cord on this machine. You can bankrupt the system. You can empty the pimp's pockets. You can free Anna by simply refusing to click.
1: Pornography drives human trafficking in at least two ways. And the first is that girls who are trafficked are used to make pornography. I mean, I heard about a case this week as I was preparing for this message where a girl um, was photoed for a, photographed for a like the cover of a, one of these kinds of magazines, a pornographic magazine, and the studio didn't even know, and the public didn't even know until later, that she was a trafficked individual. You know, we we make the mistake... You know, if if you tell yourself that oh, well, you know, this what I'm what they're looking at or what I'm looking at on there is is just, you know, girls who are wanting to make a buck, think again. They're not smiling at you and telling you all those things because they want you to admire their body. And we're learning that increasingly. And what's more, we should not make the mistake of thinking that this isn't a problem in the church or this isn't a problem in our corner of the world, or this isn't a problem in our family. I mean, the statistics are, are numbing. And if we went on beyond this, it would make you sick. But just some fundamental ones, nine out of 10 boys, six out of 10 girls are exposed to porno- pornography by age 18. I can tell you that it would be even higher than that after college, it just would be. Average first exposure of boys is age 12. of young men and 49% of young women say viewing porn is an acceptable way to express one's sexuality. Think we don't have a problem? And again, I don't think, especially like number one there, I don't think that was the case back before the internet. But we live in a different world. And it's almost, no matter how hard... A person tries, no matter how hard their parents try, it's almost impossible not to come in contact with it or be exposed to it at some point in our society. And so we have a real problem on our hands. See what I mean? One of the most harmful pieces of evil in our world. And so what are we going to do about it? You know, I think that we have to start by looking at how do we fight pornography? How do we wage battle against something like this? Both in our own lives for those of us that struggle with things like this, but also how can we pass things on? You know, if I was thinking today, probably there's folks in this room who, you know, you grew up a long time ago before internet and all that stuff, and and this is just mind blowing to you that any that this would be a struggle for people like, I mean, in the church and just that this would be this big of a struggle for this many people probably boggles your mind. But we need to face that it is. And for you, if it's not a struggle for you, hit your knees in prayer for your kids and your grandkids because it's a struggle for them and it's going to be a struggle for them because of the way that our world is today. So what I wanted to do with you is first share some scripture with you that we just read a few moments ago. We'll look at that, and then I want to give you some practical things, and you can find some practical stuff that we'll talk about in a second on your note card. And maybe these will be helpful to you in this battle. Maybe they'll be helpful to you in another battle that you face with sin Or maybe this will be something that you can pass on to someone who needs it or pass on to a parent who can use it as they parent and try to raise their kids in this crazy world. The passage we read is one of my personal favorites. I highlighted it in this Bible that my parents gave me back when I was in college. I highlighted it a long time ago and I underlined the word integrity I said this is the kind of person I want to be this is the kind of attitude that I want to have towards evil and in my life so it's something that I've tried to keep memorized especially this part this part here I just love the way it reads I love the way David the the king, the famous King David I love the way he writes this with I mean, there's no, well, I'm going to try to do better, or I'm going to try to do good, or I'm going to... No, (laughs) just listen to the, the tone that he speaks with. I will walk with integrity in my home. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil that's the kind of attitude that it takes to do battle against something like this that gets a hold of people's hearts and is so hard of a habit to kick there's another part that he shares a few verses later and bear in mind that this is a king and part of his job is the care of his nation, of his people and he says these words he says every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity he's saying every morning I get up and I fight the bad stuff every morning I'm going to get up and I'm not going to tolerate evil in my community and likewise I feel like the church we need to have both of these attitudes we need to fight the battle on the inside of us first and then we need to do something about getting it out of our society and out of our community because it's obviously bad for our society and for our community. It leads to all kinds of injustice and evil in this world. So it's not worth tolerating. So here's, here's the deal. Rooting out evil is a battle for the bold. again, when you, if you decide to list in the fight on this, whether it's in your own life, or in your family's life, or in our society, this is not a battle where you just say, well, you know, I hope something gets better. Or, you know, I'll try to do better next time. It's not a, it's not a battle for wishy-washiness. No, this is a battle for the bold. People who are going to speak like David spoke. And said, I will do this. I will take this on. Every morning I'll get up and I'll fight this battle. It's a battle for the bold. And I want to share with you three ways that you can fight it in your own life or if you deal with maybe pornography is not your thing and you deal with something else, these would apply to that as well, whatever your battle is. And maybe this is something, like I say, that you can pass on to Parents, if you're a grandparent, pass them on to your kids as they raise their kids. But when it comes to rooting out evil, when it comes to doing this battle, there's certain things we need to keep in mind. Certain things that are helpful. One is to memorize and meditate on Scripture. Take it to heart. There's a reason that Paul, when he described the armor of God, described The sword as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Because when you go into battle, you need a sword. And what's our sword? It's the Holy Spirit and His Word. God's Word. And that's a powerful combination. And so we need to take verses like this, Psalm 101, that little segment that we just read a few moments ago. Take it to heart. Commit it to heart. And then think on it. And think how it applies in your life. Let it marinate. I put a couple other scripture references on the back of your card under this that you can also use and apply and you'll find others as you study God's word. Find something that is meaningful to you. Commit it to heart and think on it. Because that's your sword when you get into the fight. It helps to have God's word at your fingertips. Another one is to seek accountability. Seek accountability. I have a friend who was in ministry. He still is in ministry. But uh, he actually shared with, we were in in a small group setting. And just shared with me that he had decided to subscribe to this service. That sent every single website that he clicked on, everything he clicked on was sent in a list. I don't remember if it was weekly or I think it was weekly to his wife. Talk about bold. (laughs) I mean, some of you are like, what? (laughs) But literally, sent her a list every week of everything he had clicked on. And this is what I mean. It's a battle for the bold. This is not something that you mess around with. This is not something you say, well, I have good intentions. If it's something that you struggle with, you have to get accountability. And see, for our young folks, you guys, you know, the world is selling to you that the faster you can get independence, the better. That you don't need accountability. That you need your own stuff, you need your own space. I mean, they're selling that hard, right? You need your own stuff, your own space. Your parents need to respect your space. And you, have, you need to have boundaries and stuff that's private and all that kind of thing. And look, here's my thing. If the world knew what was best for you, it wouldn't be drowning in evil like this. And so I'm not asking you just to be okay with your parents holding you accountable. I'm asking you to go and to beg your parents to hold you accountable. Ask them to as you get older and you graduate and you you know find a if it's not your parents find a friend who you can trust to hold you accountable last one is to fight smart and this is you know one of those common sense things but sometimes we don't show the most common sense in our lives but What I mean by fight smart is like, I mean, if you were a boxer in the boxing ring and you were holding your fist down here, it'd be a pretty short fight, right? From what I understand. I mean, I'm no boxer, but if you hold your fist down here, you're going to be going down pretty soon. You fight smart, you hold them up. Well, likewise, I mean, if if you struggle with sweets, probably it's not the best hangout every day at the donut shop, right? If you go and you spend all your time, that's not fighting smart. Okay, you're going to lose that one too. And the same thing with this. We have to use our brains and we have to fight smart and we have to realize that, hey, you know what? Even though this isn't bad, it seems like every time I go there on the web, it leads to this, which leads to this, which leads to this. And I click on this and then I click, and all of a sudden I'm there and I'm like, how did this happen? Track it back. How did it happen? How did you get there? And wherever it started is what you need to cut out. Even if it's not bad, even if it's not a problem, cut it out. Fight smart. We have to fight smart. So again, look on, you know, on the back of your card got some resources. There's ways that you can restrict access for yourself or your kid on your on their phones and mobile devices. Most people don't take the time to learn how to do it. Take the time. Your kids' minds and their hearts are worth it. Your mind and your heart is worth it. I think that covenanteyes.com is that sort of service I was telling you about where it will actually email someone your history. It's a battle for the bold it's not a battle for taking half measures you know, and most of this advice I just shared with you it's nothing new so if there's one thing that you take away from today it's not really those tools because the problem is we, we hand out tools all the time but it's really up to whether you decide you're going to be bold or not because the tools are there but it's going to take someone bold to use them if we're going to root this kind of evil out of our lives and out of our world. Whether you need to root this out in your own life or whether you need to take part in rooting it out of our world, it's not going to be fixed by good intentions. If we want to stop, if we want to see those numbers of human trafficking change in our lifetime then we're going to have to root out the roots I mean picture human trafficking as a tree with poisonous fruit all right and the poison's coming from the root system it starts at the root system and we need to root it out if we're going to make progress because as long as that human tra- as long as pornography is going then there's going to be demand for human trafficking And as long as pornography is happening happening, and people are, are selling themselves the lie that this doesn't affect anybody else but me, I can just click on this. Look, I'm not even using my credit card. I'm just using free stuff. Okay, well, there's advertisements on there, aren't there? And every time you click, those advertisers fund human trafficking for you. You think that's all right? You think anybody would think that's all right? Do you think God would think that's all right? So let's get our heads out of the clouds on this notion that it's a personal thing, that it's a private thing, that it's something that, you know, boys will be boys. And let's start getting to the problem. And the church ought to be on the front lines of rooting it out. Because that's what God is all about. That's what Jesus, that's why he came, was to save the world, to change the world. And ultimately, He's going to bring and finally establish his kingdom. And all this will be rooted out. But in the meantime, we're his hands and feet. And we need to be in the fight. At the very least, you can do something about it by simply refusing to click. And spreading the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing us that true love is the boldest thing in the world. Love drove Jesus to that cross for us. And God, you call us to be bold, not timid. Some of us in the room, we need to admit our problem with pornography or some other such temptation that we've been struggling with. Holy Spirit, empower us all to be bold in the battle against the forces of evil in this world. And may your people be found on the front lines of the battle. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing, I just want to mention that if you're here today and you're a slave to this sin, you've been losing this battle, I beg you to make today a turning point. Find forgiveness through Jesus' sacrifice. Make Him the King of your life. Learn to rely on His Holy Spirit his help in putting to death the things of the flesh.
0: Friday morning, six of us from the church went over to uh, meet Lindsay Nadler, the co-founder of Project Forty-One, and she gave us a tour of the building there and explained to us what her Project Forty-One is all about. And so, I'm not going to steal a very thunder. I'm going to get her to come up and tell you herself what it's all about. Coming up, Lindsay.
4: Well, good morning. Thank you all so much for having me. Wow. I am, uh, I'm so blown away this morning. I just have to, before I get going here, I just have to tell everybody in this congregation a couple of things from the second that I've walked in the door. I have felt the immense love of God in this place. It's almost overwhelming. Um, everyone has had a smile on their face and has been so loving and so accommodating. And it's almost just like they're seeping with the love of God. And I'm just going to be real for a second. That's not in every church. So you guys are doing a really, really great job. I feel very, very loved and very welcomed. Um, And I just wanted to say like, good job. Y'all are doing great. Um, The other thing that I wanted to to say is that I I know that some of the things that Pastor Neil has discussed this morning are very dark and can be very heavy, and you can almost kind of feel the room kind of go like this. (laughs) Like, are we talking about this in church? But let me just tell you guys something. You have got a jewel right there in your pastor, because churches are not talking about this. They're sure as heck not giving full sermons on this issue, and that's part of the problem. As the church, we have got to be in the forefront. We have got to be shouting loud and clear. We have got to be educating our kids from the time that they can understand what this is, how to fight it. We have to get it out in the open. We have to get it out in the air. Because one of the things I know that the enemy loves to do is to keep things hidden is to keep things in the darkness. So the fact that you guys are talking about this today, that as a church body you're fighting, that you're standing up and being bold together in unity, is a really big deal and it pleases the Lord and it fires me up. I mean, I can barely, contain. I mean, I'm ready to like run out the door. Just, I'm ready to go. I'm so excited. Um, it's so refreshing because I, I travel all around. I speak to lots of different churches. I speak to lots of different groups. And guys, I'm telling you, it's this. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. It's too dark. It's too heavy. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. No, no, no. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. So we have to talk about it without shame and guilt. We have to bring it out in the light. We have to use that same love, that same love that every single one of you have it have in your soul today that I've seen and experienced and felt with, um, that same love is, is your boldness. That's how you're going to fight this thing. So, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to get on a tangent. I just wanted to tell you guys that I'm blown away by you and you're doing a really good job. So, um, I wanted to share with you a little bit about Project 41 and um, Neil has just done such a great job in I mean he talked about all of the stuff so I don't have to do any of that <laughs> so I'm excited um I want to talk with you a little bit about the heart behind project 41 so if you've got your bible or if you want to just listen um I'm going to share with you our our um our core it's in Luke 15 I'm going to start in chapter 4 In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't straight away. So that's the heart behind Project 41. We are for that one lost sheep. We believe that Jesus is, um, chasing after his lost ones and that he's not going to stop until every single one of his kids are rescued and valued and transformed. Um, the other scripture that I want to, that I want to read is in Isaiah 61. And you guys have all probably all, um, heard this at some point in your life. And now that I'm up here, of course, I can't find it in my Bible, but you love how that always happens. All right, so Isaiah 61, and, you know, I was really, um, you know, in the, in the um, sermon when he said, the battle is for the bold. Well, what I'm about to read, you may not feel bold, you may not think you're a bold person, but what I'm about to read is for each and every person here today. So if you don't feel bold, declare this over yourself. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations." So there's a couple of things in this passage that at Project 41 we believe in our core. And that is the most broken, the most traumatized, the most abused people in our cities are going to not only be made beautiful, not only are they going to be restored, not only are they going to be given a crown instead of ashes, but they are going to be the very ones that rebuild our cities. So it makes sense to me, for us as a community, for us as the body of Christ, to invest in the ones that are going to be rebuilding our cities. Now, I love my country. Anybody else? I love America. I believe that we live in the greatest nation on the planet, but we have some broken cities. We have some cities that need to be rebuilt. We have some kingdoms that need to be rebuilt. And this says that the most broken are going to be the ones to do it. So this is, where we're, is what we're chasing after. Because here's the deal. When you see a woman that has been raped for a living, that has been traumatized, that does not know who she is in Christ, when you tell her that the God of heaven's armies loves her immensely and he'll do nothing, he will never stop chasing after her. And she begins to learn who she is and she completely transforms her life. You cannot argue with who her God is. And that's how revival happens in our community. I think about one of the girls that's in our program right now. We have a year-long program for victims of sex trafficking here locally. It's called Esther's Academy. And she's pregnant. She's pregnant with her sixth child. Um, Her pimp was also her husband. Um, He died in prison. And she came to us completely broken, completely a mess. Um, And she sits every day in our classes at Esther's Academy, and she learns about who she is. She learns about what it means to be a warrior for Christ. She learns about what what it means to steward and nurture the next generation that is living inside of her. And see, this will be her sixth child, and this is the only child that she'll be equipped to keep. So when we talk about the one, when we talk about transforming the one, we're also talking about the generation and the legacy that that one person affects. And see, all of you in here have a legacy. All of you in here have a sphere of influence. All of you in here have the next generation that you can affect. And being a part of this church, hearing things like you've heard today, rising up and saying, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. It's not somebody else's ministry. It's not somebody else's calling. This is for every single believer. Within your strengths, within your gifts, even within your weaknesses, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's equipped and fashioned all of us to pursue after the one in some way. So when I think about the legacy that is in every single person, we have the chance to see America become new, become rebuilt, so that our kids don't have to worry about this, that pornography is not even an issue. The main mission, the main goal, is to see trafficking and slavery end in our lifetime, to wipe out pornography. How do we do that? Seems like such a huge, huge issue. How do we even fight it? It starts with our heart. It starts with knowing who your God is and how much he loves you. You know, we talked. he talked about a lot of different tools. He talked about a lot of different things today. And all of those are great. But the root issue is is that you look at pornography to get a need met. You look at pornography because you want love, you want to feel affirmed, you want to feel validated, you want to feel significant, you want one thing that we were designed for and that is intimacy. And when you learn that you can have intimacy with a good, loving, passionate God who can give you everything that you need, there's no desire for pornography. Okay, I can get on a tangent about that forever. So I wanted to tell you um, a couple of stories because, um, you know, we've talked about the statistics today, but one of my main missions today is to, sh- is to share with you what's happening in your city it, right here. Uh, when we think about the word sex trafficking, we think about the movie Taken. Has anybody seen Taken? We think about in other countries, which that happens. That, those are our examples. But sex trafficking and sexual exploitation happens every single day right here in West Monroe, Monroe, Louisiana. It's important for you to know that where we live is in the I-20 corridor. Now, I have a background in law enforcement. I spent three years on patrol before I was a believer, so my perspective was a little bit different. Um, But what you see all day long is drugs are trafficked up and down I-20. And where you have the drug trade, you're also gonna have the sex trade. So, what we're seeing is on Thomas Road, 165 North and South, you know, the hotels north and south of the interstate, every single day. Because we no longer, the days of seeing someone who we consider a prostitute walking up and down the street are, um, are seemingly over. That still happens, sure, in bigger cities. But where we are, you've got a cell phone and a computer, that's not necessary. The internet allows people to meet up in hotels, so every day, all day long, in hotels, in your city. People are being trafficked, people are being sold. Um, has anyone in here ever heard of the website called Backpages? Okay, don't go look it up. But it's a website very similar to Craigslist. And you can click on, because a lot of people still don't believe me that this is happening in our city. You can click on Munro. Escorts, And you are going to see a giant list every day of ads being posted. And you can order up a human being just like you would order up a pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not okay. It's not okay anywhere. Even if it was one ad, even if it was one person, it's not okay. And we have to come together and say, this is not going to happen in my city. So at Project 41, you guys have watched the video. I'm not going to go all into that. But we do a variety of different things. We rescue, we do outreaches at our uh, at Washtenaw Parish Correctional Center. We have a Bible study that goes there two, three times a year. Every single woman gets a Bible, which is so exciting because many of them have never had a Bible before. Uh, we go to truck stops. We work with local law enforcement. And we have a team that monitors back pages on a consistent basis. And we're putting together leads and turning them over to law enforcement so they can take it further. When we find victims and survivors of trafficking, we come alongside of them, we get them counseling, we get them medical care, we get them connected to community, and if they're ready, we get them connected in Esther's Academy, which is our year-long program. That program offers lots of things. opportunity for employment, biblical counseling, Bible study, life skills, parenting. I mean, it's the whole gamut. Um, we partner with other recovery homes in the area so that they have a safe place to live. Housing is our biggest issue. So when you guys pray, please pray for that. We need our own housing program. We need the finances to have housing. That's the biggest, the biggest, uh, need that we have. And that's what we're shooting for in the next two years is to have our own housing Um, But I wanted to tell you, um, lastly, a couple of stories. And I may just have time for this one. Just because today's sermon was on pornography. I don't know if any of you guys have seen um, in the news this past summer a man arrested named John Carter. Anybody saw that case? Well... John Carter was a family friend of 20 years to four boys that were abused. The youngest was nine, the oldest was 15. John Carter was arrested for manufacturing, distribution, and possession of child pornography. And Law enforcement told us that they found the largest collection of child pornography they'd ever seen as well as the largest collection of homosexual pornography that they'd ever seen. Now, what the three things that I just listed, manufacturing, distribution, and possession of child pornography, manufacturing, and distribution is sex trafficking. These are minors. Five different men were arrested from five different states that came here to abuse those boys in West Monroe, Louisiana. This is not okay. This is happening here. So as a ministry, we were able to provide those boys with counseling that would have cost thousands of dollars, and we were able to provide it to their families, which were low income for free. We also work with local law enforcement in the rescue of a 14-year-old girl um, this young lady met a man playing Call of Duty video games online. She uh, struck up a five-month-long relationship with him. He mailed her a teddy bear with $500 in it and instructions to get on a, to run away and get on a Greyhound bus to come live with him in Arizona. So she ran away. Uh, her, far- her parents filed a missing persons report, and our law enforcement was able to intercept her at the Monroe Greyhound bus station. So as a ministry, we were able to come alongside them because the options for this young lady were either to wait at a police station until detectives from Tennessee came to pick her up or go to Green Oaks Detention Center. So for us, we were able to get her uh, to our facility. She got a shower. She was able to stay the night there with one of our staff members. She was able to eat some Chick-fil-A. She was able to be prayed for until she was returned safely home to her family from the detectives in Tennessee. So those are just a couple of, uh, of stories of some of the things that, we, that, that we're doing here. Um, I could tell you story after story after story, but I think those two are poignant because We were able to intercept that child when she was 14. Imagine if she wouldn't have been intercepted, what her life might have looked like. Imagine what it might have been like with these young boys if they were not able to receive counseling and get some healing. The what ifs can go on and on and on. That's where we have to rise up and say the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's inside of me. It's the call for every Christian. It's the normal Christian life. So, I, just wrapping up, I wanted to say thank you all so much for letting me come and speak. Um, I also wanted to let you guys know that the light is bigger than the darkness, and that God is bigger than all of this. He's not intimidated by this, um, the world is not going to hell in a handbasket. God is coming to redeem. He's raising up warriors. He's changing the heart of men. A revival is happening and an army is being raised up right now. So don't feel gloom and doom. Don't walk out of here feeling heavy. Don't walk out of here feeling, oh my gosh. To, and because so many times people are moved into doing nothing. Do something, even if it's little. I thank you so much for having me today. I covet your prayers. If you guys um, could just please pray for Project 41 when you think about it. Pray for the women. Pray for the men. Uh, We have a lot of different ways to get involved, if that's something that you're interested in. We do have a men's group that is meeting and starting up, and one of their goals is to come and and speak to the heart of men and to go after the demand. Uh, We have a variety of different volunteer outreaches. If it's something that you want to be a part of, you can visit our website. But um, I'm overwhelmed by your love and just so thankful and honored. So thank you very much.
1: Uh, let's invite Lindsay back up and I want to invite anyone that wants to come and just let's lay hands on her and pray for her and her ministry and her team because um, come on down and as you come I'll just keep talking <laughs> come on down but you know this is I think one of the things that impressed the missions committee and I as we were there you know and I haven't talked with them about it but I mean that sense that you got today of what a dark an evil thing this is that made you just kind of want to pull back like she was saying is something that they live with on a weekly basis as they fight this stuff and and so we need to be keeping the warriors that are on the front lines of this battle in our prayers and in our support um, and not only that you know they're invading territory that's been held by satan and his his kingdom for a long time and of course he's not going to take lightly to that so keep them in your prayers and let's send them out with prayer today God, we thank you for Lindsay. We thank you for Project 41 and for her team and the work that they're doing and the uh, the impact that they've already had on the lives of individuals that need, needed desperately to see your love and your grace in their life and your transforming power. And God, we're excited about what they're doing. We're impressed by what they're doing. We're glad that we can come along and be a part of it. We ask that your Holy Spirit be completely involved in every aspect and all the decision making and all the projects that they have going on and we ask lord that you would supernaturally intervene on their behalf open doors for them uh, fend off the enemy lord and we pray this in jesus name amen